Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. We're so glad you've decided to join us today. We hope that today's message helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that the Lord has created you to do. This is going to be a little bit different message, as you can tell, because Josie and I are tag-teaming this message here. For the last two weeks, uh, we have been in Greece celebrating uh, 25 years of wedded bliss. Yes, so not only that, we have 25 years, our anniversary was in August, and then 25 years in ministry. We started in ministry like as soon as we got married, and um, actually while we were engaged, and then last year, we couldn't go on the trip, but so we were celebrating at the same time, was 10 years that we've pastored here at this church, so we were celebrating that, and then we were also celebrating slash mourning that we're empty nesting, so there's just a lot of big milestones that happen in our life, and we decided instead of going home and crying in our empty house when we had dropped Jordan off to college, we're going to go do something we wanted to do for a long time and just celebrate and take this amazing trip, so we did a lot of reflecting and just remembering like 25 years that we've been married and the 24 years that we've had kids and all that God's done for us and just so grateful. Um, And what stuck out to us was just his faithfulness. Like God is so faithful. And we've had good times and wonderful times and happy times and we've had hard times. Just because we're pastors doesn't mean that we don't face hardships. And we've had some really, really difficult things that we've had to walk through. And as we were looking back on that, just the fact that God brought us through that and that we are um, still married. We still love Jesus. Our kids all love and serve the Lord. And, and so to this morning, we just wanted to share with you some of the things that as we were looking back at our lives, we feel like has helped us along the journey as we look at, at well, people ask us, they're like, well, how can you have stayed married for 25 years? I, I don't know that it's that hard, honestly, but I guess it is this day and age because everywhere we went, we're like, yeah, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary. People in Greece, even that we didn't know, like the waiter would be like, how did you do that? <laughs> and um, just of still loving Jesus and, and just the things that have helped us. And I want to start by reading Psalms 37 verse 25. And I can't believe we're old enough to read this verse, but I feel like we're on, we're like the older people now. We're yeah, 25 years of marriage, we're old. Joyce, how old are you? 87? So we're, we're nipping at your heels. We we're feel nipping like at we're, your heels, we're yes. Right yeah. there. <laughs> right there. So I love this verse, and I can honestly say that it's true for us. Once I was young, we were 19 and 21 when we got engaged, and now I'm old, and I've never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. And so God is faithful to you. He's faithful to us and he'll be faithful to you. So we just want to testify of God's faithfulness really and share a few things that are in our heart. Yep. So this is just going to be some stuff that helped us. A lot of the things that we've learned along the way, mistakes that we've made. Um, 25, 26 almost years ago, we met uh, at Thanksgiving uh, Christmas uh, 1995 and then we got engaged at um, Valentine's 1996, just six weeks later. Um, and this is what we looked like on the day that we got engaged. Oh yeah. And if you're wondering why Josie has a fat lip, it's not that I asked her to marry me, she said yes, and then I punched her in the mouth. Um, We were at the office at the church, and she slipped and fell and busted her. She split her lip open on the desk. It's true. I have stitches under my lip right there. So even, yeah, the day we got engaged, I couldn't even kiss him. I'm like, don't touch my lip. (laughs) He took me to have stitches our very first day. And um, then here's a picture 25 years later of us in Greece. So we just wanted to show you the then and now. It's funny how Josie doesn't age. Like, she's just timeless. Well, so, filter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good, 
Definitely a lot more wrinkles. But the whole point being that that first day, we loved Jesus, and we just wanted to go and do whatever he had for us, and, and we still have that passion burning in our hearts. And I think the number one thing that we can point to is intimacy with Jesus. Like, we can pray together as a couple. I can come to church and worship, but if I don't have that place where I meet with Jesus and it's personal between me and him, where I, like, dig my own well, where I read the word for myself, where I sit and talk to my Jesus that love will fade and will go from hot to lukewarm to cold. There has to be an intimacy with Jesus. Yeah, if you think about the olden days um, when people would have to, to dig their own well to put, provide you know, fresh water for their family, you know, if you lived 10, 20 miles from somebody else, you had to have your own well. You had to have your own source of life. Um, so it was just so important that, that you take the time to dig your own well with the Lord. Intimacy can't be borrowed from somebody else. As we were traveling across Greece, Greece is um, technically a Christian nation uh, because they fall into the Greek Orthodox Church. We saw thousands and thousands of, of Greek Orthodox churches, but when you'd ask around, they're empty. They're very ornate and they're beautiful and they're, they're, they're not even enough Greek Orthodox priests to cover all of the churches. There's so many of them. So many of them just literally sit empty and even of the larger ones, very few Greeks actually go to church anymore. So it's more so a religion of the state. But so here's what happens. When a church cuts off intimacy with God as Father, it begins to die. If you even think about the way that God created intimacy in marriage, that's where life comes from, as we dedicated babies today. We were created by God to have intimacy with him. You look at um, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says that the Lord would walk with them in the cool of the evening. That was designed and created by God for there to be an intimacy between God and his people. Um, the way that the Lord would speak to Abraham was the first time that anybody had had an encounter and talked to God like that, ever in, in history. And God wanted to have this personal relationship and this challenge and wanted to bless Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and his 12 kids. And even you, the way you look at Moses, the, the, the intimate relationship with Moses, Moses would go into the, the tent of meeting, into the church, into the tabernacle, and in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, it says, inside that tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as someone would speak to a friend. Like, we were created to have that intimate fellowship, relationship, worship, prayer life with God. And when you cut that out, it's like we go on with our life our careers, our families, buying a house, doing what we do, but we lack the intimate personal relationship with God. The Lord was talking to Moses in the tabernacle about going into the promised land, and if you skip down a few verses, in verse 15, Moses returned to the Lord and said, if you don't personally go with us, then don't make us leave this place. He was saying, Lord, I'd rather stay here in the desert than have a land flowing with milk and honey if I'm not gonna have a personal, intimate relationship with you. That's so good, so good. And, and I think of Song of Solomon, how God says, come away with me. You know, he's calling to us. Every morning, he's calling to you. Will you meet with me? Will you be here with me? And it's a very personal thing. The Bible says, deep cries out to deep. Like, um, this is, we, we did points that doesn't just apply to marriage, but one of the things is when you are married, even your husband or your wife cannot understand every part of you, but God can. So that intimacy with Jesus is so important. Good. 
Well, let's, let's move on. Another point that has helped us in 25 years of marriage and ministry, and this was a non-negotiable, and that is we always tithed. Even when we were in Bible school and we were, um, when we were youth pastors, even before Bible school, and we made like no money. I mean like starving money. I mean like ramen noodles, rice and beans kind of money. We tithed on everything that came in because a tithe of five, 600 bucks a month is the same thing as a tithe of $50,000 a month because it's always 10% and it was a non-negotiable for us. So because of that, we feel like that is what has opened the door for God's blessing on our life and not just in finances, but in every area. I wanna read from Malachi chapter three, verse 10. We all know it, but bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be room enough to contain it. And I remember there were times where we were like, where is the blessing, Lord? <laughs> but we continued, we had made that, we had just said, like, as for me and my house, we're going to always tithe. And we believed that God would provide and we could hold him to that. And he always brought us through. So that is a key. Make that. And, and I remember you saying something about that there's intimacy in tithing, that those tie together. Yeah, we, um, I, we sold um, my truck because it was um, the used truck market right now is through the roof. So by the way, I'm in the market for a used truck. But the point is, um, we, we made $7,000. How many times have you made money on a, on a used vehicle? We made $7,000. And the moment that that check came back from Toyota, um, I was like, babe, this is a profit. And my first thought was to return the tithe of that 7,000 to the Lord. So even in tithing, there is intimacy because it constantly makes me think about the Lord. While I was gone, uh, I got a couple of birthday checks in the mail. And the, my first thought wasn't, hmm, what am I going to buy? My first thought was, okay, I'm going to add that up and I'm going to give that to the Lord. So even in tithing, there is intimacy because it creates this, well, it's like baby dedication. It, it clarifies the ownership that, that the money that we earn belongs to the Lord. And we're just get the privilege to steward 90%, the first 10% belongs to the Lord. And I love what you said, that it reminds us of God all the time because money is such a physical thing, but we need it all the time for everything that we do. And if you look at the people of Israel, God commanded them, you know, they have the little... Um, Mezuzah, is it called mezuzah? mezuzahs that they put on the outside of every door. He says, put my word on your doorposts. And they have the tassels on their clothes to remind them of God all the time. They have a prayer for everything. Like if they're going to peel an apple, there's a prayer because God is in the everyday. And tithing is like that because it reminds you of God at all times. By the way, before we move on, did you see the panic in her face when she thought maybe she had forgotten what mezuzah meant? And she was like... It sounded awkward. I was like, is that the real word? I don't, I don't know. But yes. Um, number three, the third point is get our priorities in order. Get our priorities straight. And um, we have always had this thing where we say God is first, then our marriage, our spouse, then kids, then work, then rest, then everything else. And that's the order that we've kept it in and that has worked for us. And sometimes our lives get out of order and we have to come back to that and be like, hey, what's not working right now? Where have the priorities come out of whack? Yeah, every time there's been trouble in our lives, it's because we're not living based on priorities or we've, we've moved 
um, work or ministry, or we've moved rest out of the equation because rest is so important, or we, we, we focus more on our relationship with one another than we do on our relationship with God. Or sometimes families in today's day can get um, kids out of whack where we like worship our kids and we helicopter our kids, but our kids are more important than our marriages, which is, it's not biblical, it's not godly. So um, for me, it's always been Jesus, Josie, George Josh, and Jordana, and everything else in that order. So, um, so having your priorities in order is, is, is been one of those keys that has really sustained us in uh, 25 years of marriage. Always make sure you live according to healthy, godly priorities. And then the next point is you get to choose your attitude. And, you know, life is not always going to be amazing. It's not always a fairy tale. Marriage is not always a fairy tale. Having kids is hard work in the middle of the night when they're awake throwing up and you got to care for them and change diapers and all the things. It's just everyday life. But we get to choose to have joy in that journey. A merry heart is good like a medicine. And everything is a God adventure if you look at it that way. So for those of you that are friends with me on Instagram or Facebook, you saw some of the pictures I posted of Greece. Like it's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life. So I just wanted to tell you a little story of how we had to apply this to our own life even in the last few weeks. Because I feel like that's one of the things that have really kept us in love with God and one another and happy. Because God wants us to live happy lives. He said that he came that our joy would be full and he wants us to have an abundant life. And there were times when we're like, okay, we have no money. We were without, without a home several times in our marriage. And um, just, it was not like I thought life was supposed to turn out, but we could still have fun. We made parties with our kids out of, I don't know, nothing. We made up holidays. We went on um, exploratory trips in the woods. I don't know. You can always make fun out of something. So we were in Greece, most beautiful place I've ever been. I was so excited. And I had planned this trip. And the last island, we went to three different islands. And the third island, I was the most excited about. I felt like this was going to both be the most peaceful because we had gotten an Airbnb right on the water. And I was like, this is where we're not going to have to like tour. We're just going to lay there. And we're going to look at the beauty. And it's going to be amazing, just like a rest before we go home. And um, you can go ahead and just put the picture up of what this beach looked like. <laughs> it was just not what I was expecting, okay? Uh, there were liquor stores and strip clubs, and I, I feel like it was like Europe's Daytona Beach. The beach was mud. It was always wet. You couldn't even lay on it. And there was just cigarette butts and beer cans and loud people everywhere. This was in the morning before anybody woke up because they were awake all night. So we were out there where there was nobody. <laughs> yeah, it was that kind of vibe. And I was like, oh my gosh. And we had the most days in this Airbnb because I was like, it's going to be the most peaceful peaceful. This is where we're going to end and we're going to rest and it's going to be great. So I'm sitting there. I literally cried. I was like, oh my gosh, Brad, I obviously didn't do my homework. What is this? <laughs> I had seen pictures of this island that were beautiful. They're just not here. So we're like, okay, let's make the most of it. We're going to rent a car. We'll just drive elsewhere because there are beautiful beaches. So we went to go rent a car. We didn't realize because again, we had to switch locations of where we were going to be because of COVID. So it was kind of a last minute planning. We didn't do our research. We're not allowed to rent a car in Greece or a scooter or a moped or anything. So we couldn't get anywhere. We were stuck right there. And this island, we'd used buses everywhere else. This island didn't really have a bus system either. So we were just stuck there on the ugly beach. <laughs> and so 
I did. I cried. I was like, Brad, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm so sorry that we ended up here. Like, I don't even know. And then we just decided to make a memory and laugh about it. Like, it was our choice. We could sit there and mope for five days or however long we had there. We're just like, there's going to be something pretty here. Like, it's going to be great. And so we just laughed about it and decided that we're making a memory. We're always going to remember the time that we stayed on the trashy beach. And we found <laughs> um, the water was gorgeous. So we just spent all our time in the water we're on the water. We were allowed to rent a boat. So we did that one day. That was like the best ever. And we went on a little boat trip. And um, yeah, it was a good time. We even found the cutest little crepe restaurant. It was about like a 15, 20 minute walk from our hotel. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so pretty. And then you look up and it's literally underneath a strip club. Like we're like, don't look up. Just go in the crepe store and enjoy. So we made a ton of fun memories. But the point is this, you choose if it's a fun adventure and you're making fun memories or if you're just going to sit and mope because life is not always happy. And if you're going to enjoy life, you have to choose your attitude. Well, and to tag team off of that, to, to, to the ability to have a good attitude no matter what you face comes from being thankful because being thankful will shift your perspective and all things give thanks. And it doesn't, you don't need money to be thankful. Um, you don't need a, a beautiful vacation to be thankful. You don't need a beautiful beach to be thankful. I, we, we were in Greece. We were in these beautiful waters. If you, as long as you just didn't look this way and you looked out this way, everything was beautiful. And we have our health and we have three, four kids and we have, like, there, we have this amazing church. And like, there was so much to be thankful for that um, we will often in America, we'll get destination disease where it's like, well, if, if I could only get that job, if I could only earn that much money, if I I could, if I could only buy that kind of a house, if I could only have that kind of a car, and we have this d disease where we're like pushing and striving for the destination, but the joy is in the journey, and the joy is in the, the high, uh, highs and the low lows because we do it together. So don't wait for the destination. Don't wait for the job. Don't wait for the car. Don't wait for the house to start having fun. Have joy and a great attitude and a thankful heart no matter where you are because God wants you to be happy um, from the top of the mountain or in the bottom of the valley. So. So we had a great time. We really, really did. Even those days, they were amazing. We scooted our chairs like all the way up to the water so nobody could walk in front of us and block our view. And we just looked at the water and put our AirPods in and relaxed. It was great. Um, the next point is find an example. You know that... Um, there's a chapter in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, where it talks of the heroes of faith that have gone before us. And I think that's very much on purpose because it gives us hope because God is no respecter of person. And if they can do it, we can do it. And I think it's important to find somebody. I mean, Jesus is our ultimate example, obviously. But find somebody here on earth that is similar to you, that does what you want to be doing one day, that is further along in the journey. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. He said, you should imitate me just like I imitate Christ. So whatever your journey is like, for me, if I see somebody that is has been a pastor for 40 years that still loves Jesus, whose kids are loving God. She's bold in ministry. She loves her spouse. I'm like, okay, that's my girl. If she can do it, I can do it. I'm going to be like her. When Brad, when we got married, he didn't have a good example of a father. And so he started looking when he became a dad. He's like, okay, where's a good dad that I can look at as an example? So whatever it is that you're looking to do or to be, find a person of hope. Find an example that you can follow in your journey. Yeah, so whether it's a musician, a business owner, somebody has a, a prophetic gift, somebody is a you group leader, um, somebody has been widowed or, you know, whatever the thing is, they have a history of addiction um, and they've overcome and they're, they're a, a step 
or two further down the road than you, let them be your example. And be like, hey, I can be a great mom. I can be a great dad. I can be a great business owner. I can be a great teacher. I can be a great whatever because I see them as an example and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set my, my compass and follow their example to, to, to greatness. Um, the, the, the longer that we pastor and the longer that we lead and the longer that we're married, I get inspired by people that do it well and do it for a long time and, and don't fall and don't go off the tracks. And um, I, I, I get inspired. So I know there's a lot of people that they arrive early, but I get inspired by the ones that stay long. And um, I get inspired by the ones that have some gray hair over their ears and have some, some, some wounds and some war stories to tell because they're the ones that remain faithful to the Lord. They remain faithful to one another, and I, I follow their example. So that's what you need to do in your life is find people that inspire you and that are a great example um, that, that you can follow in, in that example. And you may not always know them personally. There are people that I look to that I just listen to their podcast or read their books or, or watch them and watch their lives from a distance. So it doesn't have to be like a close, intimate mentorship type thing. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say the next one is to value the things in life that really matter. The most important thing in life is not success. God will define success for you. Um, so being faithful to the Lord, being faithful to your spouse, um, being faithful to obey what God's called you to do, um, having a heart that is steadfast and, 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 and unshakable and immovable, um, having faith in God no matter what trials you might face in life, um, loving people well, living holy, um, thinking of things through a kingdom perspective than instead of a worldly perspective, and then you know, remaining faithful to that. That is success in your life. I love that because we, we have had that conversation over the years, like what does success look like for us? And this world defines success very differently than God does. And so it's not bad to want to, um, you know, own your own company or want these things in this world. That's great. But it's not ultimately, even if you don't get them, you can still live a successful, amazing life that will give you a reward in heaven. So we have to live with eternity in mind and not comparing our journey to other people. You know, even in church, you might be like, wow, I wish I had what they had. And I wish I made the money they had or that I had the family that, that they have. Be faithful with where God has planted you. And sometimes there are disappointments, but as long as those things that really matter, like staying faithful to God and loving him and loving others and loving your family, if you're doing that, you're successful. Don't let this world define your success. Look to the word of God. Look to God to define what success looks like for you. Oh, I guess Go I'm ahead. up. Uh, the next one is this. Next point. When you live with eternity in mind and when you live with a kingdom perspective, you're going to find that God is in the ordinary. God is in the everyday because you're abiding in the Lord while you're brushing your teeth you're, in, you're being mindful of the things of God. You might even have worship music on and you're in prayer, praying for your day or for your kids or for whatever. So God is in the all-day, everyday life when you live a spirit-filled life. Um, when, you're, when your kid falls down on their bike or they, you know, they scrape their knee, of course you want to clean the knee and you want to put some Band-Aids on, but then you want to teach your kid, hey, let's lay hands and we're going to believe God for healing and God's going to heal that knee in Jesus' name so that you're making an ordinary thing of putting a Band-Aid on a scraped knee and you're turning it into a kingdom moment where you're teaching toddlers to believe for faith and healing and for miracles in their life. So that everything you do, you know, you're, you're making dinner, you're, you know, you're going to work, you're sitting in traffic, you know, you're paying bills, make it a kingdom thing because you, you're, it, it, we have separated our Christian life, our, our, our sacred life from our secular life. But when you 
When you're a child of the Most High God, you have been adopted into the royal family of heaven. Everything you do is royal. Everything you do is kingdom. Everything you do has an eternal significance. So even just spending time in your family, um, investing in your marriage, it's ministry. Josie and I laying on a beach, listening to two separate podcasts, but holding hands, that's ministry. Why? Because the devil hates godly marriage. The devil hates intimacy. So the fact that we would spend thousands of dollars to sit on an ugly beach and just hold hands is ministry. It pleases God. Yeah. He loves it. We bring, bring pleasure to him. And it's like what we were saying about tithing. It reminds us of God. So we have this saying. I didn't, we didn't name the point that because it seems a bit unclear. But for us, like our inside way, it's abide. Abide, 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 abide. Because um, we had a, call, um, a Bible school professor that taught a message called abide. And it really stuck with us. And he just kept saying abide, 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 abide. And so when we're doing something that's quote unquote secular, a lot of times we'll, ta- we'll tell each other like, hey, let's abide. And we'll start praying in tongues. Or we're like, hey, let's invite God into this decision of where we're going to go on vacation. Hey, let's pray for this. Abide and let the spirit and presence of God be in every aspect of your life. The next one is raise the bar of holiness. Don't lower it. Don't try to be like the world. Like whether you're single or married, have kids or no kids, it doesn't matter when I say this. Like as for you and your house... We're going to serve the Lord. The Bible says that we're in this world, but not of it. So you have to be mindful of not trying to look like the world. Yeah. Jesus died on a cross for you, which means you don't get high anymore. You don't get drunk anymore. You don't sleep with people you're not married to anymore. You don't look at porn anymore. You don't get angry anymore. You don't... You're different. You're set apart. So I think for too long, we've tried to lower the bar of holiness when God's calling us to raise the bar of holiness. First Peter says this, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slide back into your old ways of living just to satisfy your own evil desires. You know better than that because that's the way you used to be. That's not who you are anymore. Verse 15, you now must live holy in some of the things you do. Oh, snap. You now must live holy in every single thing you do. Why? Because God is holy. The scriptures say you must be holy because the Lord is holy. This, um, we, we, we left the island and we went to Athens because we had to catch the flight out of Athens. So we, were, um, we had never seen the Acropolis uh, or the, the Parthenon or all these, these big buildings in, in Athens. So we thought we'd spend a few hours and do the touristy thing and, and walk around. And um, the, the, at the top of the mountain, the Acropolis, the Parthenon has been used as a, um, as a bank it's been used as a temple to Greek gods. It's been used as um, a, a Christian church, and it's been used as a mosque, and now it's used for tourism. Um, but we were walking by. Um, and I think we have a picture of that, actually. We were walking by just right where this picture was taken, and we heard one of the English-speaking tour guides say, unfortunately, when the church was meeting in here in the late 6th century, in like 585 AD, the church tore down all of the statues of Medusa and destroyed them. So we don't have those remnants anymore. And I was like, yes. Like too I w- bad that the church destroyed the idols, you know. I was proud of the church for doing that. You know, if, if they're going to meet in this building, I was glad that they tore down the idols. They were raising the bar of holiness, not trying to lower it. So don't try to fit into the culture around you, which a lot of people, even within the church, try to do. So just make up your mind not to. Um, don't make mountains out of molehills. Come on, say it again for the people in the back. 
Don't make mountains out of molehills. <laughs> so God wants you to walk and live in peace, not in anxiety and worry and fear. And almost every day we have some opportunity to freak out. And for sure, um, you know, every so often there is real reason to be concerned. But because of Jesus, we don't have to be. So whatever it is that comes to your path, make up your mind that you're not going to make it a mountain. You're going to instead shift your perspective to look with heaven's eyes and have a big God and a small problem. Make every mountain into a molehill instead of the other way around. So that you keep your faith, you keep your, your cool, you keep your, you know, we'd have, you know, sometimes you open the mail and you're like, oh my gosh, there's this huge bill that we didn't even know come was coming. You have a choice in that moment. I can either be like, oh my gosh, Brad, I'm hyperventilating. I didn't know we owed $1,000 still for this doctor bill. What are we going to do? We've already paid all our other bills. There's no more money. Or I can just call me and be like, hey. There's a bill here that I didn't even know was coming. We need to pray and see how God's going to move in this situation. We always have a choice. Yeah, just don't, yeah. So many marriages would be happier if you wouldn't make mountains out of little molehills. First uh, Peter put it this way, give all of your worries and cares to God. I mean, he's the one who cares about you. Next point, and we're going to start landing this plane, would be, this is so important for our marriage and for our ministry and raising our kids. And um, learn to hear the voice of God. Learn to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Jesus said, my sheep know the voice of the shepherd. So um, God will always speak to you. You know, well, I don't hear the voice of the Lord. Well, even in the dry season, even in the desert, as long as you own a Bible, God is speaking because he spoke through his word from Genesis to Revelation. So if you're like, well, when you, I pray, I don't hear anything, open your Bible because God will speak to you. And um, if, well, I, I don't hear, um, well, go to a you group because there's, there, you don't, you, People are, God is speaking through the people in this church, but you're not going to you group. So it gives you an opportunity to hear the word of the Lord even when you're not feeling it in your heart. Learn, tune your ear to hear the, um, the word of the Lord. So good. And, you know, just for your life, set up the non-negotiable things that are the foundational pillars that you're going to live by. And then don't be dissuaded. Just say, this is how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do it when I feel like it and when I don't feel like it. Because otherwise, we go up and down, up and down, up and down. But if you decide, hey, nope, no matter what, I'm going to tithe. No matter what, I'm going to go to church. No matter what, I'm going to walk in love. You'll continually, exponentially see God's blessing in your life. We want to end with just like three things that we've, mistakes that we've had to learn from along the way. And um, the first one that I want to say is not letting bad experiences and past experiences be the lens that you see life or people through. So often we go through a hard time and we face a similar circumstance again and our lens has become tainted by the last thing that we experienced. For me, I grew up a pastor's kid. My parents had a church and there was a huge church split and a lot of people, there was a, a gentleman that was a leader in the church that took over half the church and left and did his own thing. And so for me, I was like, I never want to be a pastor. I don't want to experience something like that. People are not trustworthy. They're just talking bad about you. And if I walked around in here, that was something that God had to deal with me. And every time I talked to um, 
you guys and I'm greeting people, if I'm always thinking like, oh, I bet they're talking bad about me, I'm not going to have any relationships within the church. I have to look at what is God doing now. If he's called me to this church, then that's because he has good things in store for me. And that people, I, I just believe the best. People love me. They love our church. They love Brad and I. They're saying great things about us behind our back. They're praying for us. They're praying for our church leadership. You know what I'm saying? I have a choice to let my past experience taint what God is currently doing, and I wouldn't enjoy it. So whatever that might be for you, whether it's going through a divorce or a difficult friendship or let God remove the lens of your past and see possibility. Look with the eyes of faith. Look with the eyes that God sees your situation with. And that works like if you prayed for somebody and they didn't get the job, they died of the disease, the, 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 you, know, you prayed and it didn't happen, next time you're going to be put in that situation, you'll be like, well, I'm not praying. You have to wipe the slate clean and pray again. Because just because it, God didn't move in that way one time doesn't mean he's not going to move on and do some miracle the next time. You keep praying. You keep pressing into the Lord. Yeah, that was the second thing was don't let unanswered prayers keep you from praying again. And then lastly, if you're married, so this is a marriage one, um, be in unity about your decisions. The couple of times that we've made bad choices is because one of us ran ahead and just did their, I've done it too, but yeah, mostly you, um, just ran ahead and... <laughs> It's true, ran ahead and did something without talking to the other person or talking to God, but just thinking it was a good idea. Remember how we said to know the voice of God? Ask God for advice before you just run on and do something, buy a house or buy a car or whatever, and then ask your spouse. Make sure that you really have unity, so don't be in a rush to make decisions. If there feels, if you have this feeling of pressure, like, well, if I do it, if I don't do it now, then it's not going to happen. That's not usually God, because he's a God of peace. So take the time to pray it out, pray it through, talk to your spouse, and um, if you're single, talk to God before you just rush in. One of the biggest mistakes and regrets that I have in life was my anger, especially in my 20s and 30s. Um, if I could go back, especially raising my kids or with my wife, and, and do over all the times that I got angry and threw a temper tantrum and raised my voice and punched a wall or something, man, it's, it's one of the biggest regrets of my life would be that it took me 20 years to overcome anger. So um, if you struggle with anger, if you struggle with addiction, if you struggle with um, terrible financial choices, if, you, if there's an issue in your life that you're struggling with and it's, it, it's a blow-up thing, you're going to regret that 25 years from now. So ask the Lord to help you deal with it now so that it's not one of the biggest regrets of your life. It's one of those things that God turned your frown upside down, that God turned that defeat into a victory. And I just, I, I kick myself that it took me so long to get there. I love that. So we're gonna close, but I think the final thoughts for me um, is just love God no matter what happens in life. Like just decide that you're gonna live a life of intimate love relationship with Jesus even when things don't turn out like you thought they would, if you're having, you know, you're seeing things that you can't explain, you're like, I don't even know if there's a good God, how could this happen? That you still love God, that you cultivate that intimacy and that you just walk in steadfast obedience. Just be faithful to him and he will show himself faithful to you. So that's a little recap of 25 years. Did any of that help you guys a little bit? Good. Hop up on your feet. You know, Jesus, <laughs> he said, listen, if you will build your house on a rock, build your house on a strong foundation, you're going to be okay. Because if you build your house on the, the, the sand, 
storms of life are gonna come and they're gonna destroy your house. The reason that I say that sitting on a beach, doing nothing, sitting in a Starbucks and just looking at your spouse, taking your kids out for an ice cream cone uh, after school and just talking to your, that's ministry because the devil hates godly marriage. The devil hates godly family. So the, when you invest in a godly marriage, when you invest in godly family, you're building your life on a strong foundation. Every time you pray, every time you worship, every time you tithe, every time you make the decision to go to church instead of skip, every time you make the decision to do the right thing no matter what, God is shoring up and strengthening the foundation of your life. Josie and I have faced some storms in our life, but never once was I like, well, that's it. I'm just not gonna follow Jesus anymore. Instead, I, I pursued the Lord even more. But the, the problem is, and the longer we pasture, we see people that they face a storm in their life, financially, in their health, in their family, in their relationships, in their marriage. And they're like, well, that's it. And they get hurt and they get mad at God and they think that somehow God is the one who is wanting to hurt them. Listen, God is a loving father and he's crazy about you. And he loves you and he wants to bless you and he wants to put a strong foundation under your feet. And it just, he's given us free will where we have to make the choice all day, every day to do the right thing, to live for the Lord, to live for eternity and not to live for this temporal world. We're gonna live for 80, 90, 100 years on this earth. We're gonna live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever with the Lord. So we should spend a little bit more time thinking about <laughs> eternal life than temporary life. We should be thinking more about putting treasures in heaven than putting treasures here on this earth. We're so blessed. There's always something to be thankful for. If you slept on something fairly soft last night, if you slept with a roof over your head, and it's Texas, a fan blowing in your room, you're one of the 1% of the richest people on the face of this earth. You're blessed. You have the right to freely worship God. Nobody made you come to church this morning. Nobody made you tune into the broadcast this morning. You chose to because men and women literally laid down their lives and our military to give you that freedom to do so. Don't take that freedom for granted. Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sin, to set you free from a life of sin so that you could live holy, so that you could live as a son and a daughter of the Most High God. Don't take that price that he paid for granted. It's like once you know about the goodness of God, once you know about his love, once you know about his victory on the cross, and then you still go back to sin, it's like you're crucifying him all over again. But this time you're willfully and intentionally with full knowledge driving the nails back into Jesus' hands and feet. When he's already paid that price for you to live holy. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I, I see a lot of new faces that I don't, I don't know your story. Of course, there's always people watching online, hundreds of people. I don't know your story. But I am gonna double dog dare you to live for Jesus. 
no matter what mistakes you've made in your life, what regrets you might have in your life, God will forgive you of sin if you ask him and you really repent. He'll wash you and cleanse you. There's a story of a guy I went to Bible college with. He got radically saved. Went from death to life. He was just a street thug. And um, him and some buddies wanted to get high one night and their addiction and their violence had, had, had grown to, um, you know, just stealing things to um, armed robbery. And um, he was a big dude. He was a brawler. He liked to fight. And um, one time he, they were knocking over a, a gas station for money. And the clerk wasn't like immediately opening the register and giving him the money. So he, he had some brass knuckles and he reached over the counter and he just hit the guy right in the face and knocked him out. They took the money and they left. Well, it turns out the guy died from that punch. It was manslaughter. He didn't mean to kill him, but he did. So the detectives did their thing and they arrested him and he went to jail for manslaughter. And while he was there, um, somebody came in and talked about Jesus and forgiving sin. And by this point, he's clean, he's sober. He's like, listen, you don't understand. I'm a murderer. I didn't mean to, but I, I killed a man. He's like, yeah, but you're paying the price to the state, to the people for what you did, but Jesus paid the price for your sin. So I'm not saying that sometimes there's not a consequence. If you committed a crime, if you um, committed, if you had an adultery, you, you committed an affair, if you stole money from your work, if, if you were a terrible parent and hollering and screaming at your kids or whatever, I'm not saying there's not consequences that you need to work through and own up to, but I'm saying that the blood of Jesus will restore you with, there'd be no more shame, there'd be no more memory, there'd be no more pain that you're carrying around from that. He makes us a new creation in Christ because he's a good, good father. So I don't know where you're at. Maybe, maybe your heart's pounding out of your chest right now because the Bible says that the Lord will knock on the door of our heart and if we'll open the door of our, our hearts, he will come in. Maybe you're feeling the Holy Spirit like, hey, hey, I love you. I'm crazy about you. I wanna forgive you. I wanna wash you and cleanse you. I'm gonna get you off of the sand and put you on a solid foundation. Jesus is the rock. He's the only one to build your life on. Maybe you got hurt by church and I feel like maybe there's somebody watching online right now and you're like, dude, you're just like every other preacher because you're so mad at that pastor, that youth pastor for hurting you and I don't blame you. But if you would be willing to take that pain and give it to the Lord and ask the Lord to take that pain and that you would forgive that person in church that hurt you, forgive that pastor that hurt you, like, it's as if they owed you a debt of $1,000, and you're like, you just write it off. And you're like, no, you don't owe me anything. I completely erased that debt that I've been holding against you. Maybe it's the first time you've ever heard anybody talk about Jesus like this. And you're like, yeah, I don't want religion. I don't want institution. I want an intimate relationship with Jesus. Or maybe it's the first time in a long time because your heart has grown so cold and you've run so far. The Father wants you to run back to him. He's not mad at you. That's a prophetic word for your life. God's not mad at you. 
He loves you. He's crazy about you. So I'd like to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of repentance to ask God to forgive you. It's a prayer of lordship that you're asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life and the Lord of your heart. You're, you're asking him to put your feet on a strong foundation, the solid rock of the kingdom of God. It might be the first time you've prayed this prayer or the first time in a long time. It, it has to be, I can help you, I can lead you, but you have to believe it in your heart and you're the one that's gotta pray this prayer. So whether you're, you're right there, you're, you're, you're watching on YouTube online right now and your heart's pounding on your chest, this is for you too. Whether you're watching at home online or you're here in the room this morning, you wanna get right with God today. You wanna get right with God. You, you wanna repent and ask him to forgive you. You wanna make Jesus the Lord of every area of your life for the first time or the first time in a long time. If that's you with every head up and every eye open and you wanna get right with Jesus today, would you shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, pray for me. Just shoot your hand up and say, today's my day to get right with God. I see one hand in the back. I see one hand over here. Is there anybody else? Just shoot your hand up. Good, 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 good. Hey, what about you that are watching it online? I saw two people shoot their hand up and say, today's my day to get right with God. Right there in your apartment, right there in your bedroom, in your car, just shoot your hand up between you and God and say, Lord, I wanna get right with you today. I'm gonna lead you in this prayer. If you believe it in your heart, I want you to pray this out loud and maybe we could help them out and we all pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I surrender my life to you. Be the Lord of my life, the King of my heart, the lover of my soul. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I love you. And I thank you for loving me. I receive the gift of eternal life. I'm a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Thank you, Jesus, for adopting me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm so proud of you too, and I'm proud of you at home right now for getting right with God. Golly, I'm proud. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.